Okay, good morning, guys. Good morning. I, uh, I want to call to attention here. We're going to uh, start Band of Brothers. I uh, want to welcome each and every one of you here. I see some new faces. You know, it really does my heart good because seeing these tables back out again, seeing men eating again, God has brought us a long way. Praise God. Uh, I'd like to ask you, though, to stop trying to walk from this side of the room to that side of the room because you're coming across the camera, so you're seeing, people are seeing you on television, but, but anyway, that might knock our ratings down. Uh, now I have to bring them back up again. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you any jokes, not after what Eric put me through last week. That wasn't nice. You guys are supposed to... Look, he doesn't even come to Band of Brothers, so you're supposed to stick up for me. You know, when he when he's made, he made that comment, there was supposed to be complete silence, no laughter. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you a joke today. I'm not going to tell you that I'm not on staff. All I'm going to tell you is, and I got this from John Stumbo's sermon, and it lifted me up. All I'm going to tell you is, he never mentions his name, John the Apostle. He just says, I'm the man that Jesus loves. And so my name is Michael Moray, and I'm the man that Jesus loves. Amen. So, um, money. Okay, we got the food. Just want to let you know, because I'm going to keep you up to date on this. We're allowed to have food as long as we cover it. Last week, we missed it by 40 bucks. But we didn't miss it because we had a generous donator that stepped up and more than made up the difference. So, guys, as the Lord leads you, we have to pay for this food. I don't want to compare it to salvation, but it's kind of one little part of it is. It's free, but it's costly. Okay, so um, just, you know, help us out with that if you can. You do not have to pay if you cannot afford it. This is a completely free breakfast but as long as we cover it, all right? That's all I'm probably ever going to say about that, if you know me. I don't do that unless we get in trouble with it. I just don't want the food to stop all of a sudden. All right, so we're in our series, the last series that we're going to do on Micah 6-8, okay? And we're, and we're talking about walking humbly with thy God. And today, I can't wait because we have a real, real celebrity over here. And coach, Hall of Fame coach, as far as I'm concerned, Jim Horner is going to come to us and speak about putting others before self. Jim, would you come, please? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. It's always a privilege and an honor to speak before a group of men that uh, come out every week, show that they're they care for the Lord to warn to up early in the morning, in the midweek, when uh, things are starting to get tough in your job, and you come in, you share together, you pick each other up together. And actually, this is what God wants us to do, what Jesus said, you know, and he's, he's talking about that. So just start me off. Do we have me put those things up there? They're called verses. I had a couple of verses. I have verses. So... Hold on. That gentleman is the most important thing in the world in this room. 
Man needs prayer. Don't wait till the end. I'll shut up anytime to somebody pray for somebody. Amen. Okay. All right. Are they up there? Because I can't see. They're down there. Are they? I got them here, but I can't see them either. But anyway, it's all, I just want to start off with this. And um, putting, placing yourself, putting yourself, uh, putting others above yourself, rather. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And two things we have to get rid of in our lives is pride and self-centeredness. Everything revolves around me. Marty talked about it the other day so on Sunday when he talked about it. we take all these pieces of love and we mix them all together. And God wanted you to do that, and then he wanted you to give it out. But we put it in a box, in a bucket of concrete, and we stir it all up, and it mixes and it starts, you know, getting tight. And then we leave it in the bucket. And then when we go to use it, it's hardened. Hardened hearts. Why? Because it was too much about taking care of you. And so before I read these two verses, I want you, I want you to, I want, no, I'm going to read the verses first. You can read them. You see what it says. And make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another. Oh, I remember some guy in the Bible said that, wasn't it? That we should love one another and care for one another. Okay. Working together with one mind and one purpose. You see, you have to have purpose in life. See, what they're teaching in the schools today is that the only purpose that matters is you. You. You take care of you. And don't let anybody say anything about you. You're the greatest. And actually, what they're really teaching, gentlemen, that you're a little God. Because you're number one. you got to take care of yourself. So you come first. Totally opposite of what the Bible says. Okay. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. What's one of the reasons around where, and, and this thing about, oh, look what I gave, look what I did. It's like the Pharisees, just like Jesus. The Pharisees would be out there, look, look how many boxes of prayers I have. Look at all these prayers I had. Like, oh, look, they're all for you. No, they weren't. They just walk around and just show you, you're, you're supposed to be something you could care less. All right? And that's what he's talking about here. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress somebody with your charity. Charity comes from the heart. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart. Okay? But a man that's self-centered thinks up here. What can I get? What can I get from what I give? Rather than give you. I'll tell you what. When you truly give from your heart, you'll get a lot more than you do when you don't. Okay? A lot more. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. And man, that's hard. Understand that. And they, Jesus understood that. That's, by the way, why he said, you know, love your neighbors at yourself. Think about that. What was he saying to us? I know how much you love you, so love your neighbors like you love yourself. You know? He knows. That's a natural reaction that we want to take care of ourselves and be good. But then in Corinthians 10, 24, it says very simply, don't be concerned for your good, but for the good of others. So let me just give you a little bit about, and I, I don't usually read, but I'm going to read something because it's, it's to me, I, I couldn't have put it quite this way. And it says, self-centeredness is a sin because it leads to being devoted to self-gratification and overlooking other people's needs. As long as I'm satisfied, you 
If you have, hey, here, here's the crumbs from my table. Not here's what I have. Let's share. That's what it means. Okay? Self-centeredness and self-love are totally antithetical to the teachings of Scripture. That long word means, instead of saying antithetical, I can't even say it anyhow, second time. It took me a while to remember that one. But anyway, it's against the Bible. Jesus don't want it to do But it says here, when we were self-centered, the sinful passions aroused through the wall were at work in all parts of our body, so that we bore fruit for death. Self-centered in the realm of flesh. By being self-centered or yielding to our sinful nature, fleshly natures, we are being, bearing fruit that results in death. That death isn't dying, gentlemen. That's death is separation from God. When you're doing things to please yourself, that doesn't please God. When you do things to help others, that does please God. Our responsibility is the one thing in life. Our responsibility, God says this, I don't want your idols. I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to know me and to love me. I want you to know me and to love me. Because if you know me and you know my characteristics and, and you love me, then you'll carry out that. I love my coach. You know why I still coach today? You know why I still go out there every day? Because I had a coach to save my life, and he was a Christian coach. It changed my life at 16 years old. And I went to college, and I was sort of messing around again, and I had a coach there who was a Christian. Took and got me back in school and made a difference in my life. Two men that God put there that I didn't even know about because I wasn't involved in those things. But one thing I can say I did know I knew there was a God. I didn't think he liked me, but I knew there was a God. Incidentally, go to school. Uh, what did we used to do when we were young? We read scripture. So I knew there was a God. At least that's a start. But today we're not even doing that, guys. When the President of the United States affects, forgets to mention God on the National Day of Prayer, we're in trouble. Think about that. I'm getting to the fourth quarter, guys. I'm probably late into the fourth quarter. But some of you young guys have children. Some of you young grandfathers. You better start thinking about that. And you better place yourself above them. Because what you do in the future, right now, not in the future, now, is going to depend upon where our kids end up in the future. Okay? So anyway, we don't want to elevate ourselves above, uh, you know, the, to, to make ourselves a group. We want to go and help others, do good. And I can think of people in this room. I think about, you know, I look at how many guys do it, and I don't want to start mentioning names because there's a lot of people here that, that do good things. But I'll do some of the things like, like, like Mike, what he's doing here. Mike leads this thing. Uh, Timmy starts a, a Native American uh, thing in uh in South Dakota with the Sioux Indians, you know, uh, Jimmy the, the, the feeds the 500, probably, and those guys that feed the 5,000 and, and feed homeless people. All those kind of people, all those things. And there's many more for you to do this. I don't want to do it all. But when I think about it, when you really place others above yourself, I got to tell you a quick story, and then, then I'm going to move on because I'm going to get through this pretty quickly. I want to get somewhere. I want you to, when I end up, I want you to understand 
laid on my heart. Really laid on my heart. Satan has tried to put me down to stop me from telling you what I'm going to tell you. And he's trying to put me down right now, but I'm covered by prayer, and I know I'm going to keep walking and talking. So I don't really care about what Satan has planned for me. I know what Jesus has planned for me. But I remember we were up in, in, in Camden one day. Kurt was with us, and we were feeding kids, homeless people. And a guy came out to the gym, and he wanted a pair of shoes. You know, it's like the truck is where Mike is, and I'm standing there, and, and I'm handing out pamphlets and praying for different guys. And I look over at this guy, and, and he's asking me, he says, uh, what's eyes? And he told him, and he said, oh, I really don't have anything for you right now. And he said, oh, man, he said, look at this. And the sole of his shoe was, you know, actually off, and his feet were hanging out. He said, I really need a pair of shoes. And this voice, and I'm going to tell you what, this voice, just like I'm talking, said to me, give me your shoes. And we're like, what? Man, these are my pro walkers. <laughs> these, are, these, are my, these are my walking shoes. I love these shoes. Right? And, and the guy some puts on walking away and his head down. And this voice said again, give him your shoes. I said, Billy, I got a pair of shoes for you. And I like to say, well, somewhere, well, you're just puffing yourself up. No, it wasn't me, did it? Because me wanted to keep those pro walkers. God said, give them to them. You can buy another one. Where Skittles are cheaper. <laughs> anyway, but it's, it's true, guys. It doesn't matter. You know, here's the point. God replaced it. So I gave my shoes, so what? You know, look what other people have given. Look what other people have done. All right? But to do this, to get away from self-centeredness, guys, Go to the next two for me, please, in James 4.10. To get rid of self-pride, and self-centeredness and self-pride, they're both the same, okay? Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You want to be lifted up? In 1 Peter 5, 6, 7 tells this, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Be, so humble yourselves Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Okay? At the right time, and he will lift you up in honor. We are called to be a servant. Think about Jesus. You want to talk about humbling yourself. Talk about humbling yourself. He washed the feet of his disciples, including Judas, who he knew while he was washing his feet was going to betray him in about another 15, 20 minutes. And he washed his feet. Do you know who washed the feet of people when they came into the home? The lowest of servants. Not just a servant. The lowest of servants washed the feet of the guest. Jesus disrobed. Remember? Put him over this thing, but he disrobed. Our God humbled himself before man and washed his feet. Can you do that? Can you do that? Are you willing to humble yourself? You give yourself so that someone else may benefit from it? You know? And so, um, keep moving. 
Uh, so basic man, we just have to deny ourselves and, and, and let go of our, our selfish, our selfish and, uh, and the selfishness and our pride. And I know it's hard, but I know this. I can honestly tell you, the biggest thing I had to learn to do as a coach was to humble myself before my players. Because when I used bad language before them, before they left that field, I asked them to forgive me. And I didn't do it just for them. I would tell them, I'm doing it for my Lord Jesus because I offended him. And I would make sure, here's a rule I had for all my coaches and something all of you can do. When you insult somebody or you say something that downs them or demeans them or makes them feel bad, you know that. Before they leave you, before you, they, they go for the day, you make sure you put your arm around them and you rebuild them up. And you encourage them again. And you apologize for using filthy language around a young man. That's humbling yourself. Because do I think I have to? The old me used to be? Are you kidding me? Get him, man. Stick him. Yeah. Big deal. But I found out more success came. And God honored it more when I humbled for him. And we prayed together as a team. My coaches had to apologize to their players when they really offended them. I'm not talking about pushing them, I'm not driving them. I'm not talking about making them better. Use filthy language, you demean them. You don't have to do that. You never call a person a loser. Do you know how many young kids grow up today thinking they're losers? Why? Where do you think that comes from? It's because they're demeaned. I remember, I'll give you a simple thing like this. It's in a classroom. Oh, you're stupid, John. You're stupid, Mike. You don't know anything. All you ever do is open your big mouth. That's a teacher. Someone you're looking up to as a child, and that person's tearing you down. And then you go home, and dad goes, bam, don't you talk like that. Yet he talks like it all the time. Confusion. Humble yourself. Don't ever put yourself above them. When you put yourself with them and you work with them, they'll go for a wall for you. And then to do this, then we have to have the same mindset as Christ. The same mindset as Christ. In Philippians 2.5, it says, you must have the same attitude. You must that Christ Jesus has. I love that. It's a new, it's a new living translation. I like that. It's, it's not always said that before. And the reason I like it, I remember when I was a, a, a teenager and I was getting a lot of trouble. And uh, what are you doing? Am I breaking up? Maybe I'm breaking up. Breaking up.
The most important thing was to find a role model that could do that. So I found Jesus. I accepted Jesus. And then somebody took me to the cross. And he took me to it. So I'm going to go through these one at a time. Luke 23, 23, 34. And he said, uh, want to move that up, please? And what's Jesus saying? Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. That's when they're pounding the nails through his hands and his feet. That's when they drop him into a hole and the shot of that pound goes through his body. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they know what they're doing. How about you? Do you forget? Or are you too important? Colossians 3, 13. I don't have it up there, but it says this. Bear with one another. And when you have a grievance against someone, go to them and forgive them. Just as Jesus forgave you. Just as Jesus. See, we forget that. We forget that Jesus gave us. I'll never talk to you again. I'll never have anything to do with you again. Really? Over what? Well, I don't remember what it was, but it was really bad. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how bad it is. It can't be worse than what they did to Jesus. And he was willing to forgive them. That's good goal. Go to the second thing on the cross. Luke 23, 43. Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. He's talking to a thief. He's talking to a thief. That means someone that is taken away from you. Someone's stolen. Someone's hurt people. But he forgave you and then said to him, I'm dying here so you can have Peace and paradise. You're part of the salvation story. <clears throat> so are you. So are you. You're part of the salvation story. And we have to understand that because when we understand that, when I realize that I'm saved, I don't have any power of Satan over me anymore. You have no power over me anymore. Because the blood of Jesus covers me. Not me, because I can fill all like a rock and water. But you have no power because Jesus said, today you will be with me. How about number three? When he shows compassion. Think about this. He's been beat, whipped. People, you have no idea. You can't even. It's if you read the Bible, it talks about he is undescribable. He was on his flesh. When you talk about being scourged, you realize that until bone showed on your back, you weren't scourged. You had your ribs had to be showing that your flesh was torn. His face was beaten. He had a thorn shoved in his head. His eyes half closed, and he looks down at his mother which they now want to call a person delivering a person. It's a mother. The greatest gift God ever gave us was a mother. Because you become a mother the moment I was born. Not when I was carrying me. 
Your motherhood started then, just like Jesus' mission started then. Not a person carrying a person, it's a mother. And he looked at her with compassion and all the pain that he had. And he looked at John, his favorite man. The one he already decided that John, you're the only one that's going to make it, man. So you, John, take care of my mother. He didn't tell Peter. He didn't even tell his brother James. He didn't tell Judas' his brother. Jude. Okay? He told John. Why? Because he knew John was going to live. And John did what? Immediately took him to him. But under that kind of pain, you know what we don't want to give? When don't we want to give? When we feel so Oh, I hurt so bad. I feel, oh, people don't like me. I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. Knock it off. Have compassion for those that are hurting, no matter how bad you are hurting. Then in Matthew 27, 26, it's about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out. The loud voice, Eli, Eli, which means, my God, my God, why did you take me? We talk about hurt. We talk about people leaving us and hurting us and hurting our feelings. But here's Jesus in this moment. You talk about commitment. He's willing. He's willing to take on the sins of the world, the past, present, and future sins of the world. Every sin we've had, he's willing to take it off and be separated for the first time in eternity. This is way from his Father, the Lord God Almighty. They're separated because God cannot look upon sin, and he becomes totally sin. Wow. In the point of no return, Jesus had held on. Jesus held on. I came here to complete this. Man, if we had commitment like that, we could change this world. If we, you were talking about evangelizing this morning, or witnessing this morning, if we had commitment like that, we change this world. And we change it for the good. And then he said, you know, I'm thirsty. In the middle of all this, just as I'm thirsty. What? You know why he did that? That's completely filling out his fulfillment of all prophecy. Because he knew in the prophecy it said that the Romans would put human vinegar. And that's what they used. So right in the middle of all this pain, right in the middle of all this, right in the middle of everything happening to him, on a, on a cross for three hours, bleeding, torn up, Joints being pulled. He completed his mission. And then I'm going to change this a little bit because he says, he ends up by saying in Luke 23 46, he shows his true love. The love, the unconditional love he has for us. When he said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. If we said that, you said it today. Trust my spirit into your hands. That means I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm dying for you. 
I did. I'm giving it all. That's love. That shows complete love. He took the pity on me. And that's what he tells us. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul. Every fiber of your heart. And to love one another. Love is the factor. Love is the whole thing we have to push through. <clears throat> love. And can you put that on for me? That's my film. Because the final word he said, it is finished. And I want you to watch this film. It's about five minutes. You put it on? <laughs> Somebody doing this? Hello? Oh, he's back here. So. It is finished. What he says. And I want you to watch this. Because this really. Oh, come on, please come up. You see, there's a line that is drawn down through the ages. And on that line, there stands an old rugged cross. On that cross, a battle is raging. For the gay of man's soul was lost. On one side march the forces of evil. All the demons, all the devils of hell. But on the other the angels of glory and they meet God got his hill the earth shakes with the force of the conflict and the sun refuses to shine for there hangs God's song in the balance and then through the darkness he cries it is finished the
and say, Jesus is my God, and I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. Jesus is my Lord, and I'm not tolerating this anymore. When the church starts staying, and we start staying, and the church is not just building, and it's not just going to you, you and I are the church of Jesus Christ, and we have to live in the church, and we have to walk the world, and we have to be strong. So be there, stand strong.
sold so that the spread is Pure man. Pure man is God. Everything. Why do we fear? Why do we fear this thing called spirit? He tells us every day, do not fear. I am with you. And then you can go out and make a statement. And we send them. God, give me this strength. Give us all the strength in the past. Be strong and great as you come. And that will be when we give into the blood. And Lord, let us let's be with us. Forgive us. But then fill us with this power. Fill us with your strength. Fill us with the victory that you died for. Love you. Thank <laughs> you.